Hello, friend. Welcome back to Faithfully Fit Motherhood. Thank you so much for joining me today. We are going to do a Q&A podcast episode. This will be the second one that I've done now. I post a little Q question box on Instagram and then people submit their questions. And I like to do a little bit of a longer winded answer. So I find it to be really fun to answer on the podcast. So we're going to dive right in. The first question is, what is your favorite book and why? And this was actually a really hard question for me to answer because I love so many books. So it was really hard to narrow it down to one, but I wanted to because I wanted to give an answer so that I could give a recommendation. So if I had to pick just one, it would be The Well-Watered Woman by Gretchen Saffles. And it's actually one I recently just finished and I cruised through it. It was so good. And the reason it is one of my favorites is because it is literally like a warm hug. Like every, every woman will find comfort in these pages. It is, it is just so wonderful. And it is definitely one of the few books I will read again in the future. So I would highly recommend it. And I would say that is my favorite book as of this point in my life. So so moving on into some fitness questions, I had one that asked the advantages slash disadvantages of working out at different times of the day. This one overall, I would say working out in general, no matter what time of the day is awesome. (laughs) I think that if you're making movement a habit, that is amazing. But I know this question asks for disadvantages, or sorry, advantages and disadvantages. So I'll kind of give a breakdown of what that would be. So if you're working out in the morning slash afternoon, the advantage of that is that your body's circadian rhythm is programmed to be high functioning during these parts of the day. So you're going to have a lot of high productivity. You're going to find you can get through your workouts. Um you're going to find your body is happy to do so. Um, I mean, if you're just rolling out of bed, it might take a little bit of time, but this is when your body is programmed to be functioning. By the time evening rolls around, activities such as like a warm bath or reading a book will help you prepare better for sleep. So that evening is always kind of the body's ideal time to be winding down. So A workout at that time of night you might find can potentially impact sleep, but that may not be the case. It's definitely worth a try. Uh, But a disadvantage to working out in the morning or the afternoon is that obviously this is stuff to do if you have a day job. This isn't going to really fit into your plans if you're working a nine to five. So it may even lead to having those really, really early morning workouts. And that means it could be potentially a fasted workout. Um, now it doesn't have to be completely fasted. I always highly recommend if my clients are going to be doing like five or 6 a.m. workouts to have something that is very fast releasing for car- carbohydrates, especially. Um, so anything like honey, orange juice, or a banana, something that's really easily digestible and that those sugars are readily accessible. So they don't have to necessarily be fasted completely, but if you're just having that before a workout, it's not like having a meal before a workout. So that could be a disadvantage for those. 
Now, an advantage of an evening workout is that you will have all of the calories from your day, so you will have enough energy to pull through and challenge yourself. I know a lot of people even like after work, they'll go like around say five or six o'clock and they'll really find that they can push through a workout and they actually enjoy their workout more because they have that energy and they're just more awake from their day. Um, So you're going to find that that's a really big advantage of working out later in the day. Again, like I mentioned before, it could just be one of those things where you have to experiment and see if it's going to be affecting your sleep at all during the night. Now for talking about this in terms of optimizing fitness results, I know there's a lot of even science-based research out there. There's a lot of experts out there um, that all have differing opinions on this. Um, You know, some people will say morning and afternoon is absolutely optimal, but my advice on that would be don't get too caught up in all of it. I would honestly just focus first on making movement a habit in general. And that moving, just the idea of movement, no matter what time of day it is, that's moving the dial in the direction you want to go. So I wouldn't focus too much on the time of day, especially in the beginning, because you just want to, you just want to make movement a habit. It's a lot of experimentation. So don't be afraid to experiment. Don't be, don't worry if, you know, you've heard it's best to work out at five or 6 a.m. in the morning, but you only get to work out at five or 6 p.m. in the evening. The fact that you're showing up is amazing. So that would be my advice on that. But hopefully going through the advantages and disadvantages helped a little bit. Okay, next question. This one I'm really excited to answer because I feel like this is something that's popping up a lot in the wellness space. Um, Someone asked thoughts on cold plunge slash, slash ice baths. If I could be honest, I would say it's not a necessary component of a wellness routine. Um, In fact, I would say it's more of a leisure activity, Um, something that's more for like fun or a thrill as opposed to something that I would, you know, recommend to any of my clients to optimize their health. And I mean, I I know I'm sure there's science, again, science-based evidence on the benefits of it. I'm sure there are lots of benefits of it. At the same time, the disadvantages could outweigh the benefits. And there's a lot of already foundational things we know that support our health. I would actually encourage you to really consider it before ever trying it. And I would definitely avoid it if you are struggling at all with your hormones, your metabolism, or you don't feel like you're at a good baseline in your health. So if you're lacking energy, you have low libido, you're chronically stressed, any of those things, cold plunging will just add more stress to all of these symptoms. Um, if anything, if this is ringing true for you, I would add activities such as saunas or hot tubs first. Sweating is really good for eliminating toxins from the body. So I would encourage that more so, um, doing something on the, the heat end of things, as opposed to the ice cold lunges of things. Um, and that being said, also to remember to replenish with your minerals afterwards, uh, after you would do something like a sauna or a hot tub, um, especially sodium because sodium gets depleted through sweating and it's needed on a cellular level to absorb water and to be hydrated properly. So it's something definitely to keep in mind if you will be incorporating something on the heat end of things. 
a little tidbit in here. That's why I love drinking my LMNT, my Element um, Electrolyte Powder. It is a great way to add in those electrolytes back into your body. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, my my opinion on this, and again, this is just my opinion. You don't have to take my word for it. But yeah, I would say it's if if you're in a place where you're wanting to get to a better place in your health, I don't think you need to add cold plunges or ice baths to that. <laughs> I really don't. Um, it's not going to be one of those foundational elements. I think it's really something that you could just cross off the list. That's just my opinion. Am I going to do one? Probably not. Probably not ever. Maybe for fun, maybe for the thrill, but not for my health. Okay, moving right along into the next question. I also got a question on my go-to home gym equipment. This is a really fun question too, because I primarily work out at home. Like, I don't think I've gone to the gym in, since I used to live in college. <laughs> so it's been a long time. Um, lots of benefits to a gym, don't get me wrong, but I that's something that we have available here and that I'm I don't have to leave, first of all, my farm or my family. So a home gym is something I have been doing for gosh, like four plus years, maybe five, six, six years, six years. So I've had my fair share of experimenting with it. The things that I would say are an absolute must is obviously dumbbells. Dumbbells are a really big component and you can do so much with them. They're honestly so universal. Uh, and I would say to start with two different sizes. So you don't have to buy a whole rack of dumbbells. Don't feel like you have to spend tons and tons of money, um, you know, getting a, a repertoire of dumbbells at first. I mean, you can definitely build up your repertoire over time. That's something that's an option. But you can start with two sizes because that's going to be perfect for progressive overload, um, you know, just increasing that weight over time. So two sets of dumbbells is what I would say. Bands are awesome. I would say those are also an essential. Dumbbells and bands. Two sizes of dumbbells, some bands, and you're honestly golden. Um, okay, I'm going to add in one more essential. <laughs> A treadmill for warm-up and cool-downs and cardio sprinting. Um, also for leisure walks on recovery days, especially if you live in a cold climate like I do. I live in somewhere where pretty much six to eight months out of the year, it's a colder climate. So yeah, I highly recommend those essentials. A treadmill is just awesome, honestly an awesome investment. Uh, so yeah, those would be my essentials. Now, if I could do some fun add-ons, I would say a squat rack. Oh, I like squat racks are amazing. Um, they just add so much more to what you can do. And it also adds a safety component for you. So then if you're adding the squat rack, you might as well add the barbell and the plates because that's also going to be kind of accessories to that. So yeah, those would be a cool, fun little add-on. Also some squat wedges and ankle straps for bands. Those are two things that I've added recently that have given me a new amount of exercises that I can incorporate. Um, something that's a little bit different that I haven't been doing. So this is something, like I said, I only added it if I've been doing this for six years, I've only added it in the last like three months. So it's definitely not something that I absolutely was lacking from. So it's something you can definitely add later, but something that's very cool. Also a pylometric box, plyometric box. Um, they are 
<laughs> a little pricey, but they, again, you can do so much with them. You can do box jumps. You can do a bunch of plyometric. Um, oh, that's why it's called a plyometric box, but you can do a ton of different plyometric moves with it. Plyometric um, means high intensity um, endurance training. Um, you can also do, um, like I do, I I use it to do pull-ups. So I'll, it has different heights to it. So I'll stand on it on my to get to the height I need on my squat rack so that I can go into the position of doing pull-ups. Again, this thing, <laughs> the box isn't absolute necessary. And it is also something I just recently added. So yeah, one of those things, it's a it's a fun item, but it's not absolutely necessary. But yeah, those would be the things I would say are key. Also a yoga mat. Yoga mats are definitely definitely a must to keep those knees um, from getting sore and your body getting sore. So yeah, kind of a basic answer. Um, I know it can sometimes feel overwhelming, like especially when you're working out at home and you're just working out with dumbbells, you really wonder to yourself, am I actually making any progress? Is this actually going to do anything for me? Is this actually helping? But you would be amazed. You would be amazed at what dumbbells are doing for you. And of course, bodyweight exercises, like bodyweight exercises are phenomenal. So yeah, don't be discouraged if you don't have a huge amount of home gym equipment. It's the simple things and they'll take you far. Okay. Final question. (laughs) Don't know how long this episode is going to be. might be a little bit of a faster episode. Anyways, last question is why does my metabolism work differently than others? This is a really good question. Thank you for asking this. And it also is a little bit more of a complex answer that I really wanted to take the time to dissect. Um, Now, I want to say too, like, I obviously can't, I my scope of practice can't cover this in its entirety. Plus, I don't know you individually and every metabolism is bio-individual. I mean, all of us, have a lot of things that are the same. I mean, a metabolism is a metabolism. I'll define it here shortly. And it's, it's a a metabolism is the same for everyone, but how it's operating is so individual to everybody. So basically metabolism is how our body processes energy, which means like calories from our food, which means how it processes the calories from our food. Our, our food is what is the energy that it processes. So there's a few factors that can vary with metabolisms. So I'm going to list them out and then, um, you know, you can kind of think about maybe some of the things that may be true for you. Um, we'll kind of break it down again. I'm not an like expert as this kind of stuff. This is just the stuff I learned in my nutrition, uh, coach certification. So my my knowledge is very surface-based. Obviously, there's other people who are very much able to go deeper. So I'm going to start with the hormones that re- regulate metabolism. So the first one is your thyroid. The thyroid is the gland up by your neck, and it is responsible for several different functions. It actually communicates with all of the cells in our body. Like it is very important. Um, but a really big thing for metabolization is that it metabolizes glucose, which is your sugar, so your carbohydrates. So potentially if you have hyperthyroidism or hypothyroidism, so hyper is something that's a a thyroid that's very 
fast. Um, so that may be somebody who um, struggles to put on weight. Hypothyroidism is somebody who struggles to lose weight. Um, now that's not me diagnosing that if any of those are happening to you, that that's what your issue is, is your thyroid. It's just a component of the thyroid. It's, it's a it's a possibility. So your thyroid is, again, responsible for a lot of the functions within the metabolism. So something to think about is, like I said, hyperthyroidism or hypothyroidism if you're struggling with your metabolism. Another one is your adrenals. Your adrenal glands, um, they have different hormones within them, one of them being cortisol. Um, another one is adrenaline. But basically, this one also works to um, you know, regulate blood sugar levels. It helps with um, increasing blood glucose levels and against insulin to try to keep um, your body in a, a state where it can fight. Basically, it's the fight, fight or flight mode kind of thing with cortisol. Um, so your adrenals assist in that um, process of metabolizing those hormones to stimulate you to be able to, if there's a bear running after you, to actually run away from it. So that's another factor in the metabolism. And then the final one is testosterone. So testosterone allows you to build muscle. It is the muscle building hormone. So if your levels are really kind of out of balance or you have like little to none of testosterone, and we do as women, we do have testosterone in our bodies, not nearly as much as men. Men, men have a lot more. I think the number is as much as 10 times more. Um, I have to look back in my notes, but we, we as women do have testosterone in our bodies, but if you have like little to pretty much none of the testosterone, then you're really going to find it that you're not able to gain any muscle mass at all because it, what testosterone does is it metabolizes your carbohydrates, your fats, and your proteins and has a major influence on the body fat composition and muscle mass. And muscle mass has a big influence on the metabolism as well, especially with your basal metabolic rate, which is how your body is metabolizing at rest. You're, if you have more muscle on your body, you're actually burning more calories at rest. So all of it kind of is synced together and something to consider as well. So those are the three hormones that would have influence on your metabolism. Um, now, as far as like if any of these would be a potential for you, if you were struggling with them, I would say a really good place to start with balancing hormones, balancing your metabolism, getting everything into a good baseline, not perfect. I don't think anyone wants to have to strive for perfection or um, can really achieve perfection in our bodies. Our bodies are always ebbing and flowing. But if you want to get to a really good baseline, I would say really focusing on your vitamins and your minerals those are really going to have a huge effect on um, your hormones in general. Minerals are like spark plugs and they actually initiate a lot of the things, the communication systems within our body. So if you're lacking or you're deficient in minerals, your everything else is going to be off. Your metabolism, your hormones, everything. The, the really not fun part about it is that cortisol, elevated cortisol. So if you have chronic stress, 
stress is what's really going to deplete those minerals. So something to focus on would probably be minerals and vitamins. Again, I don't want to give you like a, a prescription of treatment or anything. Like I, I would say just to do your research or even ask someone who is certified and professional in this department who can guide you into taking different tests like HTMA tests, which is a hair test analysis. You could ask them to do that with you and to analyze it and see where your mineral levels are. And they would be able to help you and guide you. That's not something I'm trained in. So I definitely wouldn't be able to do that. But it is something that I have learned about in nutrition regarding minerals and vitamins that it's a very important part of our, our overall health. So if that's something that you would be interested in, that could be an avenue that you could go down to really see if you could improve those levels. So those are the hormones. Now, another thing that could affect your metabolism or change it would be eating in a significant calorie deficit for long periods of time. This causes what's called metabolic adaptation. So your metabolism starts to adjust from what it needs to what you're giving it. So for example, if you, just for simple math, because I'm not good at math, <laughs> I'm not good at math, um, if, you, if your body requires 2,000 calories every day, but you're feeding it 1,000 calories every day for a very long period of time, your metabolism is going to adapt to 1,000 calories a day for that period of time. So what's happening is you're kind of, you're, it, it's kind of like if you would think about a car spinning its tires and it's kind of wearing down those tires. And that's kind of eventually what happens to the metabolism. If we're not feeding it what it needs, it's eventually wearing those tires down and getting to the point where it's not functioning optimally because it had to, your body will try to survive as much as it possibly can. So if you're not eating enough calories, it's going to try to adapt. So if your metabolism is in this state, it's not going to be working at its optimal level. The nice thing and the good news about the metabolism though is again, because this is adaptation, it's not permanent. You can repair your metabolism and you can get it to a place of high optimal functioning. So that is the really good news. So if this is something that, you know, you may be experienced in your life, um, you know, if, if symptoms of eating in a significant calorie deficit would be low energy, um, everything is kind of out of whack as far as your hormones go, you have a lot of ups and downs, you have maybe anxiety, depression, chronic fatigue, no energy, you can't get through your workouts you get to the point of being tired of being tired, if that any of those kind of ring true, I would highly suggest um, that something that I could help you do is I could help you find out your TDEE number, which is something I also want to like verge into. Um, I'll kind of verge into what I was going to say about TDEE and then I'll, I'll finish off what I'm saying here. Um, so your metabolism is also dependent on your TDEE. TDEE Sorry, I know that's not a very <laughs> nice word to listen to, but it's basically your total daily energy expenditure, which is something that consists of what your individual body requires for calories. So it's based on your age, your sex, your height, and your physical activity levels. So again, it's bringing that bio-individuality into the equation. Uh, but that is something that I'm able to help you with is 
finding out what you require for calories every day. So if you are interested, you could definitely reach out to me and we could figure that number out together. And we could, I could help you see if you're reaching that number. And if you aren't, how you could work your way up to the number that you need and get your body into a place where it feels safe and it feels happy and it functions at a really optimal rate. So just something to think about as well. But yeah, just to kind of round out the answer um, because it was kind of a jam-packed answer. So there's a lot of factors that could influence your metabolism. It's not just about age. I know that's something that I thought too, that the metabolism just slows as you age. Um, that could be a factor in it, but it's not the only factor. You can be older and have a really happy, high-functioning metabolism. So, so don't so don't be afraid that you know, the potential of your age is going to affect your metabolism in a really bad way. What is affecting your metabolism is going to be either of the three hormones I, I had mentioned, which is, which is your thyroid, your adrenals, or your testosterone, or eating in a significant calorie deficit for long periods of time. So two things to really juggle and, um, you know, maybe experiment in if you're struggling uh, with your metabolism or with any of the symptoms that I had mentioned before. I want to mention as well as a little bit of a branch of this podcast episode, I also have an, an episode which is a little bit farther down in my selection of episodes. It's called How to Support Your Metabolism at Any Age. I highly recommend also listening to that episode if metabolism is something that you're really interested in learning about or like I said, you're maybe struggling in this area or you're interested in seeing if this is what's causing some of the symptoms in your your health. Um, so definitely check out that episode. I go into a little bit more detail in metabolism. And I would love to talk more about it in the future. Metabolism is something that's really interesting to me. Something that I it hits very much home because I I did a lot of damaging things to my metabolism back in the day and I was able to heal it. So something that rings really close to my heart. Yeah, hopefully these answers helped you guys today and I really appreciate your questions. Thank you so much. And if you have more questions about these questions or maybe other questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me on Instagram at jess.coleman. And if the episode was helpful for you, I would so appreciate if you left a review or a rating on the podcast that helps get it seen to more people, more women out there, and we can create some impact with our health and wellness. So thank you again for joining me today. I so appreciate it. I hope you're having an awesome day. And until next episode.